welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I've been thinking a lot about different things that God is wanting to change our minds on in this coming season. Remember that He just He's preparing you right now, this moment at 12, 11, on 7, 17, 22, for not something for 7, 16, right? Listen, today would be really good to remember that the past is over. You can't go back and do not one thing about that thing. All you hopefully do about past things is learn. And see, in my past, I learned that I can't mess it up in the future. How many know you can't mess it up? So the rest of y'all, that's what we're going to talk about today. Because you are living in a place where you restrain activity due to your projected ability to mess up your life. Right? Cece had a few dreams and had some crazy experiences over the last few days. So it's been really fun for us to try to figure it out. So she's going to give us a big, long PS today. I don't even know what that means anymore, but she's coming after me. I do know that. Sometimes I don't know for sure she's going to come. You know, sometimes it's in it's in limbo whether she's going to really come up or not. But today we know for sure we're solid today. She's solid. One thing about Cece, she would like to know how it's going to turn out like she knows at the end before. And we just don't get that around here. That's the difference between having a program and just being led by the Spirit. You like that? Let's turn to some scripture, shall we? I'm going to start out today in... Where do we want to start today? I've got so many goodnesses. Let's just start out with some questions first. You can turn over to... um, I'm, I'm going to head over towards 1 Peter... And 1 and 1 Corinthians 1, if you want to turn there and wait on me. Does um, sin come from within or without? It's a good question, isn't it? Um, Is sin from our own hearts or from the culture around us? It's another good stumper question, isn't it? So think about that as I'm talking today. You know, in my lifetime, there has been um, different, I would call, movements of teaching. You know, when you when you begin to be my age, then you've ex- if you've been, I've been in church all my life, and so I've heard different messages based on the speaker's interpretation of Scripture and their experience. Agreed? That's what everybody's doing. I don't know if you know that. All that stuff on YouTube, people are just acting like they know. They just know this much. And I've learned that God never changes, but my ability to understand the ways and things and voice of God changes all the time. 
the message that I received 30 years ago to get me where I am today has, has actually grown and morphed into more. And see, part of what happens in religion, we act like that we're afraid we're going to mess it all up. And so we need someone to have lived and studied the word really hard and give us a, a prescribed way to do life. We do this in other ways, too. Right? If you have something wrong with you, you Cece talked about going to the doctor the other day. We go to the doctor and we, we want to describe these things that are wrong with us. And we want them to give us a prescription for life for how to solve the problem. That's, that's how we learn that. Now, see, in the kingdom, there's a beautiful marriage of things of God and things that he has made on earth for us to partner with. So, all doctors aren't bad, right? I'm pretty sure I didn't want Lynn cutting out the monster mess sitting on our bed at home. <laughs> right? Just like, hey, what you got in there? Butter knife? Get it. Come on. Just cut out this 40-pound dude. Don't hit any organs now. Right? So, I had to rely... But see, I trusted how God intersected me on the right path to for a good outcome. I didn't chunk all the babies out, all the doctors out, just because there's a quacker or two around there, right? See, that's what we do. We hear of a bad story, and we make that be sort of the actual cornerstone for our beliefs. And it's the same way with other stuff. So one person in here can drink coffee. Somebody else in here is like, no. Somebody else can drink Dr. Pepper all day long. Lynn had her a Dr. Pepper yesterday. I can't have Dr. Pepper. Just because she had a Dr. Pepper didn't give me permission to have a Dr. Pepper. Because I can't have one. God didn't tell Lynn to tell me not to have Dr. Peppers. God told me. And I can look at Lynn and say, oh, I, don't, I can't have a Dr. Pepper, so I'm going to judge you because you shouldn't be having one because I can't have one. This is what we do. I'm just helping you right now. How many know this is what we do? And so then we alleviate our need to talk to God. We just live by whoever we see do something that we want to do, and then we just suddenly have permission to do it. Agreed? And so... Let's talk about that. Let's turn over. Let's do. Let's start with 1 Corinthians. Why not? Let me just read this scripture just out of context. In other words, I'm not going to tell you the whole backstory first. This is what it says. You'll be, this is 1 Corinthians, I mean Romans 14. Did I say 1 Corinthians? I meant Romans 14. Romans 14, did I mention that scripture at the beginning? Probably not. Romans 14, just listen to me. Just look at me for a minute. Just listen to this and we'll turn there. Romans 14, 22b. You'll be happy when you don't judge yourself in doing what your conscience approves. So this is a really simple example. Lynn, did you feel bad, babe, drinking that Dr. Pepper yesterday? Yeah. So we went to a secret place because it's somebody's birthday on Saturday. Don't tell her, though. And we bought a present. And while we were there, we got Lynn got her a Dr. Pepper. And I got me a... Sweet tea, you know, because we're out, it's 155 degrees, and 
you know, I'm not wanting to be where I'm at. I'm wanting to be home studying. I'm not, it's Saturday. That's not the time to be out, right? But here we are. We've waited till a week before someone turns, and here we are getting us. Now see, what has her conscience done with God? Your conscience is what's speaking to you all the time. What has it done? What has hers done with God? Why does she not feel bad about drinking a Dr. Pepper? I could tell Gwen right now, Gwen, I need to tell a funny story about you, about the man that was 92 years old and the Dr. Pepper. That would be a funny story right here. Can you apply that? You have no idea what I'm talking about right now, do you? <laughs> Ask Pam. She knows it. It's a funny story. Anyway, we often think for other people what they should be doing. And what he's saying is there's an ability within us to have a clear conscience. Don't you hate it when you do something and then you feel bad about it? Now, see, last night we also had Andy's. And Mendel, she felt a little bad before Andy's got there. But I had to tell her, no, no, no. See, I am, I am able to own my decision and feel good about my decision. And if I don't like that decision, change it later. There's no reason to be miserable in the middle of the decision. You're doing it. Oh, yeah, I don't understand anything I'm saying right now. I can tell. Let me read again. You'll be happy when you don't judge yourself in doing what your conscience approves. You'll be happy. Let me. Ha I think y'all are really struggling with this. Who's struggling with this? Okay. You'll be happy when you don't judge yourself in doing what your conscience approves. Now, see, the, the crux of this statement is, what are you doing with your conscience? What is your conscience? What part of your little being is your conscience? Anybody know? Your mind, mind, will, and emotions. It's your soul. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's really on earth what you're managing. Your spirit man already knows. It knows very well. And see, we're judging ourselves by what we feel in our soul. My hope is that if you're feeling bad, you will actually get some help in healing so you can feel good. Yeah. See, you can be happy. I know you are. Your mouth is agape right now. You can actually feel happy with the choices you make. And you can actually grow the muscle of making choices you know you'll be happy with. Every choice doesn't make you happy. Every choice isn't even permissible for you. Go back to Dr. Pepper. I don't want to drink Dr. Pepper. I chose to not drink Dr. Pepper. I don't drink pop at all. Right? It's, it's twofold. But whatever the fold is, whatever the choice is, the choice leads to me what? Being happy. Being happy. 
I don't begrudge Lynn for getting a Dr. Pepper. Now, if I stop and I say, well, man, it's just too, too hard of a road, Papa. Just too hard of a road. That non-Dr. Pepper road is too hard of a road. It's too hard because my friends, they're look at them. They're over on the party aisle, the Dr. Pepper party aisle. Here I am over here on the sweet tea aisle. Do you see where we begin to shift our minds first? No actions happen. Then when we see next, next week, Dr. Pepper Girl, then we're a little bit more, because hmm. all week long I've been focusing on, it's too hard of a road, non-Dr. Pepper Road, it's too hard of a road. So then the next time Dr. Pepper comes by, I'm like, hmm. Now maybe not then, maybe 10 more times. I'm like, I'm having a Dr. Pepper. Because what have I done? I set it up. I begin to declare it, even if it's just internal. Now change that to other more important things. Sex. You start thinking, well, other people are having sex. Other people are watching porn. Other people are doing stuff. Just take Dr. Pepper and put whatever name on it that you're not feeling good about. Maybe you can't get out of bed. That's your Dr. Pepper for this story I'm talking about today. Maybe you can't be consistent. That's your Dr. Pepper. Maybe God told you something to do and no one else is doing it. You know, he talked to Cece before it was real famous that you could hear from God. And you had to write everything he said down. And you had to get up and say stuff you didn't know that you knew that you know. You see, he always, do you understand? He's inviting us into something that we have to see his way. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to change your mind that when I'm so focused on all the Dr. Pepper problems of the world... Of my world. I can't have a Dr. Pepper. I can't sleep in. I have to work. I have to whatever. I can't be consistent. I can't be happy. My feelings are in the way. I don't know what it is for you. Then I'm not focused on my thing. And guess what? The enemy knows. He'll line up 25 Dr. Pepper drinkers right in front of you. In a row. And they'll be real happy. They'll be like skipping around and they'll, they'll be blessed by God. They'll just get a new car right in front of you. And you'll be like, I bet it's because they're drinking Dr. Peppers. <laughs> I think that's it. See, we do this thing where we don't investigate and search out for our own heart what he's saying. And now, and I don't know if you know you're doing this, but you're looking around at people and you're living by their revelation. And then when we hear, I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance, that means Dr. Peppers. 
That's what that means. Abundance for me is just Dr. Pepper's every day, all day, any amount I want. You know, I'm just using Dr. Pepper as an example. Whatever it is. But see, if you're not happy, if your lifestyle, the, the voice says, a happy man does not judge himself by the lifestyle he endorses. I watched all 14 seasons of Heartland. I don't know how many I don't know how many that shows that is, but I want a horse now. <laughs> because I've been watching horse I think I can do what Amy does. I'm pretty sure I'm a horse whisperer. And I haven't seen a horse in 30 years, but I'm pretty sure why? Cuz I've been beholding it. It gave me the idea. It's not God, I promise. But listen, it gave me the idea. I'm like, we could get some land. We could have a horse. It sounds like God. We could get, we could have crops. We could, we could have, we could go on trail rides. Why? Because I've just been beholding it. It is not my life. Trust me. Do you see how this happens? Remember we talked about Wednesday night. The worldly culture is literally forming our own personal ideas of what we should do with our life. That's why we have to separate what is my personal assignment versus what is the horse whisperer doing? She's whispering to horses. That's what she's doing. That's what, do you understand? That's the power of media. The power of media presents to you something and then you think you can do it. Yes. Have you ever watched HGTV? Yeah. Did you know we literally have gone to people's houses who have said to us, well, I don't know why this is taking so long. On HGTV, it just takes two hours. Yeah. <laughs> why they've been beholding something they immediately took their imagination and they said this is what it's going to be like for me now anybody that's come over and worked for two minutes with Pam and I over at 114 this week knows it ain't going to take two hours nothing takes two hours you can't even go to the store and get screws and boards and come back with the right thing, can you, V? You just can't. There's too many choices. I take Mendel to Home Depot with me, and I'm like, come on. And like, she's just running behind me like this. Because I'm like, bam, 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 bam. And What's that for? Don't ask. So come on, just keep following me. I don't have time to explain each purchase. Why? It's 30 years of beholding Home Depot. I don't need an explanation of what this tool does. If I'm real tired, I don't even want to tell you what the tool does. Just come on. Push the cart. Don't run over my heels. That's all we're doing right now. You see, in the kingdom, 
That's what happened to us. We became indoctrinated with the last guy's revelation. We needed it. It's not, don't be so nervous if God's called you to new revelation and the last one doesn't seem to satisfy. That last old Dr. Pepper just doesn't feel like it's going to cut it for now. There's new tea coming out every day. I just ordered $75 worth of tea just the other day. Why? I just need to try it. It's got a little apple in it. It's got a little peach in it. I know I don't want no jasmine or lavender in it. I know what I want. I could make my own tea. There's another great idea. I know what I'll do. I'll make tea. I'm, it's not my assignment to make tea. You go bake the tea. I'll just buy the tea. You've got to know your assignment. Otherwise, your whole life will be a little here. Oh, wait. I can do that better. A little here. See, that's why. That's how we know what our assignment is. Are we happy? Is he funding it? Am I seeing things happen that the kingdom way said would happen? What did it say would happen? It said I would have life and life more abundantly. People would want my life. Do you want my life? You're coming here because somebody's, I'm not like on Skid Road. I just come in (laughs) on Sundays. Clean up in the bathroom in there. Wash my face. Come out here and say, well, let me see what I got for y'all. I'm at home dreaming about you, praying about you, asking the Holy Spirit, where are we going next? Trying to be ahead of you. The more that you advance, the more he advances. Why? The kingdom is meant to advance. What's advancing? The way we see life, the way we see our job, the way we see people, the way we see the things that matter the most to the kingdom. The world has a different agenda. You know, every now and then, I just get on social media now that we're on social media because, you know, I have to make sure we're not saying anything stupid. And did you know that there are people, this is going to be shocking, (laughs) that they have created a fan page for people they like, like Tom Cruise or Justin Bieber or the Kardashian. And it's not even that person's page. And they just accumulate. I'm thinking, who has this kind of time? Stories and videos and pictures. And they just put it on there. And it says on there, just a fan. I'm like, wait, what? So now wait, you're just collecting pictures of somebody else's life. And then you've made a whole page where you put those pictures for other people to see about somebody who you like that's just about their life and you're not even known. What is that? I'm thinking, what is that? I have no time for that. I barely had time to see the goats dancing around on the couch. That's what makes me happy. Now I want goats. (laughs) 
I want those little bitty goats that bounce around when they walk. Walk on cars. Have you seen them? See what you've been doing with your time? When we, I bought tuna on there the other day. I was on Instagram looking at our page and tuna came by. I just bought tuna. I said, that? They said it was the best tuna ever. So I just bought tuna off of Instagram. Why? Man, just the way he peeled back, he peeled back the lid. And he was like, this is how tuna is supposed to be. And the shape of the can and the way the meat was laid in there, my mouth began to want tuna. Uh, I can't get on there. I'll be buying socks or something next. Saw them bombas, but I've had those before, so I know those were not good. That that's how easily influenced we are. So you, <coughs> so you can see how Harrius. It is to stay focused. And if I'm investing a lot of time in something that isn't about my assignment, how many have a, you don't have to raise your hands, but think about it for a minute. Do you have a hard time staying focused? You know, Pam and I, we were talking about this a lot, but just like with this little project we're doing, it takes a lot more time than you can even imagine to plan to get all the stuff over there for people to touch and do something with it. Someone thought of a plan, thought of the products needed, thought of the tools needed to do something with the products, thought of the way to do the product. That, that's what it's like to do your assignment. Listen, this will help you because it'll cause you to enjoy doing life with the skills you have and you won't just be off in la-la land doing random stuff, random places all the time. I don't know about you, but that's really important. So let's, this, this scripture is really interesting in Romans 14 because on, in 23... It says, but a man who decides for himself, he's talking about eating. What to eat is condemned because he's not living by his faith. Any action not consistent with faith is sin. We're talking about actions today, right? Where, do, where does the action come from? It's something I think. So let's go back to the Dr. Pepper. So... I'm sitting there, and she says, I want a Coke. No, I want Dr. Pepper. Okay, and then I, I immediately think about, I saw a thing the other day on Instagram, and it showed how to make Dr. Pepper out of two other products. And so I thought of that. And then, yeah, I'm just welcoming you to my world. And I did not have the thought, I wish I could have a Dr. Pepper. But I used to. Last time I had one, I was 18. I had them all the time. I grew up drinking Dr. Pepper. It was my favorite. 
Remember that RC Cola? Does anybody remember that? Only old people know that. Um, that's nasty. Now, see, I, I don't even like pop at all. Because why? Carbonation doesn't like Teresa. Right? So I don't want that because I didn't know how to burp. You know, that's what carbonation makes you do. You know that, right? Yeah. Right. So see, when I'm watching the Dr. Pepper drinker, I'm not thinking back to when I was 18 and I could drink them. Right? I'm thinking, I'm glad she's enjoying a beverage. Yeah. It's more simple. Yeah. And so this is what it's saying. Any action not consistent with faith. Now, how is that faith for me? So, in other words, if I whooped out and said, I'm getting a Dr. Pepper, that's sin for me. Why? Because I'm going against what has already been talked to in here. I've already had a conversation. Right? Are you, are you with me? Now, you know it's not by Dr. Pepper, right? Yeah. I'm just using this example. So, what happens if I drink the Dr. Pepper right then? Yep. That's, that's sin for me. So, what happens? I don't feel good. Oh, I lost my happy in verse 22. I lost my happy right there. Why? Because it's incongruent with what already was going on in my soul. Now, do I die right there on the spot? <coughs> Are you sure? I don't die right there. But if I override it enough times, my conscience becomes deadened to the things that I'm allowing, and so I lose my happy. That's how you lose your happy. And see, God made everybody to be happy. Now, this, this happens so subtle. Some of you are 10 years in, 20 years in, doing something that's never going to make you happy. And see, here's the interesting part. To shut off Dr. Pepper desire was way easier back when I was 18 than if I had been drinking it all up until I'm 48 years old now. <laughs> See it anyway. It's it would be way harder now, 40 years later. Are you with me? Listen, I'm giving you this simple plan, this simple way to see how your conscience interacts on the earth. So the Holy Spirit breathe we we told him to breathe on us today. And he goes, okay. I'm breathing on that little spot of you. That's never going to make you happy drinking all those Dr. Peppers. I'm just telling you, I didn't make your body to function that way. You can't do that with people. You can't do that, whatever your thing is. Are you got your thing? You can't do that because you're never going to be happy. So my process of getting strong enough to not want the Dr. Pepper. I had no desire for Dr. Pepper yesterday. But I had one back when I was 18. I don't feel like you're with me. But my, the, to break that, because my soul loves habits. My soul loves a good habit. 
Anybody got a good godly habit right now? I can't go too many days, hours really, without listening to that yodel girl over there just singing my ear. I can't. I get to missing me some shootsy. See, I condition my soul that that's life giving to me. See, now my life is made up of that's life giving, that's life giving. That's life-giving. I don't have a whole lot of, well, that's a crappy thing, and I get so feeling so guilty after doing that for a while thing. I'll just do that for 10 minutes now instead of for 10 years. See, that's, this, is, this is the simple way that your soul becomes accustomed to the things of God. So if all my time is on Instagram buying tuna, and I don't know if you know this, they're selling other stuff on there too. I bought a shirt from there one day. They're selling, it's so easy to uh, Amazon pay. I don't even have to get out of my bed and get my credit card or anything. Are you with me? My soul. You, have you ever bought something on the internet and you had to get up and get your credit card out of your purse and you're so mad because you're like, gosh, why don't they have a record of this somewhere? Anybody? Yeah. It's like, God, it's so inconvenient. <laughs> Somebody in Georgia stole CeCe's credit card last night and bought $175 worth at the Conoco station. That's inconvenient. I'm, it's, it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about today. They sent in five $1 charges to see if it's going to work, you know? I'm like, how far do you have to be to be somewhere in Georgia doing this? I mean... Right? It's just another way our soul, that's an extreme version of someone's soul wanting something they can't clearly afford to have. So they had to steal someone else's ability to have it. See, that's what we do. Someone else worked really hard for peace. Somebody worked really hard to be in a blessed state, always been a tither. Somebody else just wants to come in, smoke screen off of somebody else's obedience. So, back to our original question. Is sin from within or without? Is sin from within or without? It's within. When I change what's inside, all of my outsides change. That's why we can't be a faker on the outside. Let's read about it, shall we? 1 Peter 1. Listen to this amazing scripture. Prepare your hearts and minds for action. I don't know if you know this, but that's what I'm doing. Right? We started building teams of people, so Pam and I don't have to do everything. Right? 
So you can come watch us in action. And you can be like us. Do what we do for other people. Right? Because I know you really want to. I know you think you just want to be independent and use all your money for yourself. But you really don't. I know you don't know how far you can push yourself. And you think you're really tired and you're at your limit. But you're not. Right? I know you can give. But you can give more. I know you don't know you can. But you can. So prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you again. As God's obedient children never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Listen, that's really all that's happening. Is that God is trying to reshape your desire. I had a desire for Dr. Pepper once. Why? That's what my mom liked. So we had it at the house. Right? If we'd have had... Beer, I'd have probably, my mom bought beer at the store one time on accident, brought that dude home, had that set on the counter. My dad came home and was like, what are we doing around here? (laughs) We didn't do that around there. So it was a shocker. It stood out. It became the story of my childhood. We still tell it. The day my mom bought beer. Because why? It was a one-time thing. Whatever I'm around, do you see? This is how the desire is cultivated. You can change your desires. They're not permanent. They're not permanent. When you begin to behold something, you begin to immediately decide, do I want that? Yes, I want horses. I want a farm in Canada. What I see on there and those little snippets, I want that. That show drives me crazy, though. Sorry, it's another thing. Let's not talk about that. Just thought of a scene. I was like, they're not good at relationships on that show. But they are good with horses. So then on one hand, I'm like, man, I could tell them a couple. I, I could counsel them. I, I could. And then, yeah. And then the other one's like, I think I could be a horse whisperer. None, neither are even real. Are you with me? It says, as obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, instead, say Instead. Turn to your neighbor and say, she's fixing to give us the instead. She just said it. Shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. Now, I promise you, in our lifetime, the crux has been, how do you do that? Holy seems too lofty. Holy sounds religious. Holy sounds like a bunch of rules. I don't have any fun. The weird thing about the way God designed us is that he designed us to live the way he prescribed 
And it would bring us the most joy. So really, when I haven't done that yet, I'm only living by joys of a subpar life. Now, there may be a few there. You know, like when you get a little bit of a raise. Right? It just all depends on how you look at it. Some of us look at it like it's, it's, it's an example of that I did a good job. Which it may not even be. So see, I can't use measurement. I can't use worldly measurements to determine how I'm doing from Papa's eyes. That's another shaping by the desires of when I didn't know what I was doing. So instead, shape your lives. It says, you are to be holy because I'm holy. Now, in the Passion, he says that this is translated, no one will put on a face mask before God. Listen to this. Believers are not judged by their sins. Is sin from within or without? You're not even going to be judged by your sins when you stand before God if you're a Christian. If you've accepted Jesus, right? Did you say yes to Jesus? You know whether you did. You know whether you're faking it. You're up here just falling down and crying just because you want to to look spiritual. Right? Right? It says... We won't be judged for our sins since that happened once and for all when Jesus was crucified to redeem us. How many know that you're 100% solid on that? That God is not sin-focused? Great. So that means that, that you could answer that question earlier when I said you can't mess it up. Because see, then... The shaping of my desires comes from when I do something and I don't stay happy. Then he says, see, that's one of those things right there. That's one of those little things right there I'm shaping differently. I'm reshaping your desire in that moment. I remember when I was a kid and Christmas lost its magic. Yeah. I was probably 27 or so. And I remember thinking, this is, I should give. It shouldn't be all about making sure everybody hears my need, my desire, knows what I want for Christmas. Make sure I drop a bunch of hints, kind of like no one else knows Christmas is coming at this time. You know, Cece, she just hints and hints and hints about what she wants for her birthday. Like, I cannot get anything out of her that she even wants, ever. <laughs> ever. Right? See, there's just some people who are like, yeah, I'm just telling the whole world. All my needs, my desires. I'm going to throw myself a birthday party. In fact, can you see Cece throwing herself a birthday party? <laughs> see, he has to remake some things in us. Right? 
When I'm so personally focused on myself, see, the moment Christmas lost its magic, it really lost the thing where it was all about me. It's called growing up. It's called growing up. It's called, I would rather see a little kid get a Christmas present and me like, yep, got another one. We won't be judged for our sins. So, if I drink the Dr. Pepper, I'm not judged by that. I judge me by that. And I think it's God. I lose my happy. Right there. It says, we will be judged for our works. In order to determine a reward. Let me help you. I can't even do the works of Jesus. With me on my mind. Because it's way more money than I have. Or can own. It takes way more energy than I have. I can't sleep enough to have that much energy. To do what he wants me to do. See, the energy comes when Shudy and I are running over there the other day and we're spraying and we're, hey, and we got our masks on, it's hot. And that, that, the joy is not in how hot I am, how I cannot breathe, how I have pain all over my body, how I wish I was home in the air conditioner that was really blowing nicely and me laying there watching Heartland. My imagination saw someone walking in the house and it infused me with strength. You see, it's just, it's just all about how that I'm positioning my heart to be changed. Let me finish this scripture for you. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, it says, for it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God. That should help us. Yeah. You didn't even have, you don't, your life was not a, to be about all the Dr. Peppers you could drink. It's such a small way to live. Come on, are y'all with me? Yeah. It's such a small way to live. Just because you have to change a desire for a Dr. Pepper to something else doesn't mean that God's just asking some really hard thing of you. It's not from man we draw our life, but from God as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, our redemption. In the Amplified, this is what it says. It says, but it is from him that you are in Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation. And these three things, his righteousness which in the Amplified says making us acceptable to God. But if you study that out, it's the state of you being as you ought to be. Wow. The condition of being accepted. Wow. Who did that? Jesus did it. See, part of the package of you saying yes is Jesus did some things in you. 
in those things such as righteousness, they're being developed in you every day so you can see it. He already knows how he's going to be. He already isn't going to be sin conscious. He already is going to forgive it from the east to the west. He already is not going to judge you according to your sin. He already knows how he's going to be. You don't know. And so he has to do something in you through life's experiences to prove to you how he sees you. And the other word he says is sanctification. Now, see, this is a really old religious kind of word. Because you know why? I did a big study on this. I don't have time to share it with you. But it's because there was a lot of teaching about how you become sanctified back before you were born. It was a big word. There were some people that believed you either were or you weren't. There were some people that believed you were a little bit at first when you got saved. Then you were a lot more if you got filled with the Spirit and you spoke with tongues. I mean, that made you way more sanctified. There's some other. Are you all with me? There, I don't know if you know this, but in Christendom, we were raised with these beliefs. That's why people were teaching them in some strange way. So you had the Baptist people who said, no, that's not for everybody. Now, listen, if you start telling everybody they can be filled with the Spirit, you're just going to make people feel real bad about themselves. So let's just say that everybody's once saved, always saved, and we're all golden. That's all we need, just salvation. There's other people who are like, well, that's just such a limited gospel. That's just such a limited experience in the Holy Spirit because, you know, you just get saved, of course, by the drawing of the Holy Spirit, but then, you know, you can't even do anything. You don't have any power. You don't have any way to do anything. And then you're... We got all this teaching. That's why hearing His voice for you you might get to be a Dr. Pepper drinker. You might get to watch Heartland. And you may not. You may spend three years and don't watch any TV shows. Why? Because he's sanctifying you. What is sancti- It's the process of being purified. Think of cheese. <laughs> I love cheese. Cheese doesn't come out of a cow. Did y'all know that cheese is made from a cow? Real cheese. Don't eat that fake cheese stuff. Daughter of dairy men. Cheese does not come out of a cow. Right? It has to go through a... What is, comes out of a cow? And it turns into... Cheese, butter, whooping cream, (laughs) ice cream. Don't eat any of that chemical stuff. That's not the real thing. That's a process. It's the same thing with you. What are you? You're a human being. It's like milk. You're milk. There's so many things you can be. You want to be cheese? Do you want to be, anybody want to be cheat? You're going to have to go through a process. You want to be whooping cream? You're going to have to go, you're going to have to get some refining. What do you want to be? I want to be all of the facets that milk can be. I want to be ice cream. I want to be handies. See, we act like. We can't have a process. Or if we are in process and someone's ahead of us, oh my gosh, they're already milk. I mean, butter. They're cheese. I'll probably never be cheese. 
I mean, I've been trying to be cheese for years and I'm still just milk. You see how we do that, right? And the last thing he said was redemption. What is redemption? It's the effective payment to ransom you. Redeemed. That's the three things you got in this package. That's the things that are in process in you. If I, if I want to know I'm purified, I have to go through this process. Quit measuring yourself by whether someone can drink Dr. Pepper and you can't, or you can and they can't, or you can watch TV and they can't, or you have to give up this and it's really hard. Well, it's only hard because my desire got formed and I didn't step in and intersect and unform it. So now we don't know what's a woman or what's a man. We don't know if a woman can have a baby or a man can have a baby. Nobody wants to describe any identity in everybody because we don't want to have any limits on our desires. Listen. Back it up a bit to ourselves. Where did I get these desires that I act like I can't turn off? Where did I get this desire to watch all the horror movies I can? Where did I get these desires when I was sitting at home, not paying attention, didn't know desires were being formed in me? I love this other word for redemption is the liberation procured by payment. Of this ransom. It is in that liberation process, right, that he sets us up in a new way to see life. Listen, I I really want us to enjoy life. As we're going along down the road and we're working hard and we're helping people and we're doing stuff, I want us to have fun doing it. We're not going to all do it the same. We're going to be tired and cranky and have to have patience with each other, have to go the extra little mile. But listen, in this process that he's doing all this, we don't want to measure ourselves by what someone else can or can't do. We want to measure us by what he spoke to our hearts. Right? Come on, Mendel. Well, I had an interesting journey yesterday with the Holy Spirit, and I still don't exactly know what all he was saying. All I know is that today's significant, and there's a new journey beginning today for those of you who are interested and willing. And the um, I know that the journey is... Um, what he led me ultimately to yesterday was part of uh, Jacob's story. And when Jacob stole the birthright, basically, from Esau, and then because Esau just realized it and was going to kill him, so then he ran away, right? And he began a 20-year journey at that point where he actually left the place that he had just inherited the birthright for. He did you Have you ever thought about that, that he went to all this trouble to inherit the birthright, and then he left the place that he had inherited. So he, for 20 years, he wasn't even in the position 
to benefit from or be what he had manipulated to happen. And so um, out of desperation, I, you know, he just ran. And so there, Jacob's journey is really, really interesting. For 20 years, he leaves, and I basically read most of that 20-year journey yesterday. And a few different things stood out to me. Um, for one, um, he was in his 70s when that happened, which is not how we picture him, right? He was in his 70s, which I realized was only about halfway through his life. I think he lived to like 140-something. Um, halfway through his life, he ran. And in the number 70 combines the number 10 and 7, right? 7 times 10. 7 is the number of perfection. 10 is the number for journey. I got that right, right? Yeah. So I want to propose that that was um, a prophetic um, sign of the perfecting journey that he would go on. Abraham also was in his 70s when he was told to leave his father's land, which is another interesting thing. And through this weird, prophetic, um, funny message that he gave me yesterday, I knew the number was 70 was important. So it just kept coming up in my process with him yesterday. So he leaves um, his homeland and he goes off. And one of the first things that happens is that he goes to a place called, I don't know how to pronounce it, it's L-U-Z right? Luz. We'll go with Luz. And he is, Luz represents um, separation. But that is where he laid down, he rested his head on a stone, and he had an encounter with the angels, and he saw what we hear about called Jacob's Ladder, right? He sees angels ascending and descending. And then um, he has this encounter with God where God, I'm going to read what God uh, said to him. He says, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. You are lying on the very ground that I will give to you and your descendants. They will become as numerous as the specks of dust on the earth, and they will extend their territory in all directions. Through you and your descendants, I will bless the whole world. Never forget, I am always with you and will protect you wherever you go. And one day I will bring you back to this land for I will neither leave you nor fail to fulfill every word I have promised you. And I love Jacob's response. It says, terrified and overwhelmed, he said, how awesome in this, is this place? I have stumbled right into the house of God. This place is a portal, the very gate of heaven. So it, um, Brian Simmons adds a footnote in there, and he talks about how this particular Hebrew word that was used, that it actually was as if he collided with a place. That very place was where Abraham also received the promise from, from God. So he, and it was proposed even that the stone that he rested his head on was from, could have theoretically been from 100 years prior, one of the stones that Abraham set up as a memorial to God. And so he rested his head in that place. He had a God encounter where God actually released a, a promise over him, which was the same as the birthright that he just ran away from. Okay. So he ran away, but he just heard God say, no, I'm going to do exactly what your birthright said, which was a, the promise given to Abraham and his father, Isaac. So it was interesting to me that this is at the beginning of Jacob's wilderness journey, right? He hadn't been sanctified. 
really yet. He hadn't been perfected. He was still doing his own thing, his own way. He had just finished manipulating and deceiving his own family, right? But it's at the very beginning. So, but he has this encounter where he knows he has entered the house of God. And that place named Luz is where he changes the name to Bethel and it becomes a house of God. And so the picture there is that a place of separation, because Luz means separation, a place of separation becomes the house of God. So there's lots of meaning there. He had separated himself or his circumstances, all of his choices, right, had led to him being separated from his birthright, from his family. But he also um, was beginning the journey of separating from what was in his own heart. But it was at the beginning. I want to propose that you have to be set apart to begin the sanctification process. Like Tisa talked about today, there's a separating that goes on throughout the entire journey where you separate from the habits you've built, from the habits you've created over time. You separate from your soul's desires. You separate. You're constantly going through a separation to become a house of God. And so that's the marks the beginning of his journey, but I want to propose it's the ongoing journey. Okay. And he spent, like I said, 20 years and he goes and he meets, you know, he gets two wives and he serves Laban and, and all this stuff happens to him that, that, um, refines him. Right. And it was interesting to me, you know, another, um, meaning for that word Luz means, uh, hazel tree. Well, it's proposed that the tree branches that Jacob, remember he, he, I don't know what, how he did it, but he scuffed the branches of the tree to set them in front of the goats that were mating so that the goats would mate and become speckled and spotted like the branch. Okay. Do you guys remember that story? I, it's such a long story. I can't explain all of it, but basically he'd already made an arrangement with, with Laban to split the flock that he had been managing because it all belonged to Laban. And so they had already made an agreement that Jacob could take possession of all the speckled and spotted lambs. But Laban did him wrong and removed all the speckled and spotted lambs so he couldn't produce any. So God gave him, God gave Jacob a dream and said, basically, he didn't, doesn't spell out how he said it to him, but he basically gave him a dream and saw that he was inheriting all the speckled and spotted lambs. And he had a supernatural, miraculous process that he partnered with where he, th this wasn't like a normal thing that happened, but he set the branch that was spotted and speckled in front of all the goats that he wanted to mate. He put it in the water trough so that what they were looking at while they mated is what they conceived and gave birth to. So he built an entire flock for himself by placing what God said in front of him, in front of what was. And the, the weak, scrawny ones, he had them look away. He didn't let them look at the, the speckled and spotted. So he actually, by the time he left that land and started heading back to his homeland, he, was, he had a large, very prosperous flock. In other words, God multiplied multiplied even after he, this uh, even after Laban had done him wrong he multiplied and made him extremely prosperous when he left and Brian Simmons points out that the spot, spotted and speckled goats actually represent Jacob's soul at that time 
And that really stood out to me because it meant he wasn't fully refined. He wasn't fully sanctified. His soul was still operating partly in his own ways, partly in God's ways. I mean, he listened to the dream and he partnered with it, but he was, he was not all the way there yet. But it, isn't it awesome that God still blessed him? He multiplied him according to the promise that was over his life, not where he was at in his journey. So at the very beginning of his journey, God releases a blessing over what over his birthright, right? And says, yeah, you're still going to have that. But now I'm going to take you on this journey. And later on, even though Jacob was still operating in his own mindset to some degree, God still blessed him according to the promise that was over him. That speaks to this thing. We can't mess it up. We can't mess it up. And God will continue to fuel and fund and, and drive you towards your promise, the fulfillment of your promise in this process. That's why we want to just lean fully into the process and recognize how valuable it is to do this separating process with him. I love that. Just to go back to that, he says, I will neither leave you nor fail to fulfill every word I have promised you. He stumbled into that place. He stumbled into the house of God. There was nothing out of his own doing that brought him there. He collided with the place. He collided with the place where Abraham had received the promise. He ran into the promise. He was doing his own thing and just smack ran into the promise that God had over his life. And then even when he's doing his own thing, God's still multiplying and prospering him. I love that verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That is the reality of our sanctification process. That is the reality of our purifying process, of our having our mind renewed. God's intentions don't change where we are based on where we are at in our journey. Now, it was really interesting because eventually in the story, you know, um, Jacob leaves and he heads back back home and he has a second encounter with an angel in that spot and that and not in the same place, but on on his journey back home. Now, he's going he knows he's going to encounter his brother Esau, who he stole from. Right. So he's pretty sure Esau is going to kill him. And he's scared to death. It says in the scripture even that he was like at a panic level. And so he was still conniving all these different ways to make, to try to get his brother to not want to kill him when they finally came face to face. He put all these elaborate plans in place to try to soften Esau before they actually met. It was really funny. So, but he has another encounter where he's so scared that he separates his all the people in the flocks with them into two different camps. And he even sends his wife and his family and all of them over across um, a little waterway. And I can't remember the name of that right now, but the waterway meant emptying. It's a like, I can't remember what it's called right now. It starts with a J. But the waterway meant an emptying. So he basically, this represented Jacob getting to the end of himself. Everything that he had gained in 20 years' time, all of the refining God had done in him, he, he, again, had to separate from it to be real with God, to be sitting in a place and say, I may have lost all of this, and I realize I'm nothing without God. God provided all of this for me. He emptied himself of everything, even what God had done. 
And there are times we've got to be willing to do that too in our journey. God will do a miracle for you now and five years later or maybe the next day, he may ask you to just lay that thing down. We've to constantly be willing to be separated at any given point to become the present day house of God that God wants in us. We've got to be willing and value the separation process. So he sat there and this is when he encountered the, um, the man from the top of the ladder that he recognized who came down to wrestle with him. And so Jacob wrestles with him and his hip gets thrown out, right? But he, he wrestles. I want to propose that he's wrestling with his own identity there. He's wrestling with God. I want to say that it's those, it represents those moments where we're like, God, I know I know I'm not all the way there yet. I know I still have this in me, but please help me. I believe, but help my unbelief. We're like, I cannot let go of what you said I could have. I cannot let go of who you said I could be. I cannot let go of the promises over over me, even though I know what's still in me. That's a wrestling process that we do with God. And the man from the top of the ladder says, let me go. It's almost daybreak, you know, and he's like, no, I will not let you go until I receive a blessing. And so finally the man blesses him, right? He releases a blessing over him in that moment. And it says he changed his name in that point to Israel. And the, we've, we've shared this before several years ago, but the significant thing was that the angel said, what is your name? Of course they knew the man was Jesus, but Jesus knew who he was, right? So why did he ask him what his name was? It, it was a moment in time where he got to be completely honest with God about who he was. This is my true nature. This is who I really am. This is what's still in me. And God changed him in that moment because he was transparent with him and honest with him. And that's another key point to our sanctification process. We've got to be willing to be separated from anything we've clung to at any given time in our journey. And we've got to be transparent with him about where we're at, what's really in us all the time. It's in that, that vulnerability that we're changed. And we get a new name. And, you know, I had this dream the other night that I um, was at this particular school or training program, and this orientation of the training program, I knew that, um, like, I got a syllabus or something, and there were going to be five different articles or something like that that we were going to have to write papers, and all five of them had different angles, okay? It wasn't like the same thing that built on each other. It was like the same thing from different angles, and then we got, I got this, um, five pairs of shoes that were all strung together in my size, right? Five pairs of shoes. <laughs> this is my world. Like, what? You wake up and you go, what? Holy Spirit. Five pairs of shoes. They were all different kinds of shoes. You wouldn't wear those shoes doing the same thing. Like some, one was like a house shoe kind of thing. One was something like you'd wear on a boat. One was something like you'd wear in a business meeting, right? And I asked one of the instructors, even though I still didn't understand anything, and I said, do these five shoes have to do with these five things that we're going to work on, these five articles that we're going to write? And he's like, yep, you got it. And so what I gathered from that is that in our journey, okay, in our training program, there are going to be times to wear a certain type of shoe. There's going to be times to walk a certain way. There's going to be times where we're looking at things from one angle, and there's going to be times where we're looking at things from another angle, and we're flushing it out. We have to, again, be willing to separate from what the shoes we wore in our first season to the shoes we're called to wear in our next season. 
And another incredible footnote that I love how Brian Simmons put these things together, but Jacob in this 20-year journey had two major encounters with God, right? Where the first one was when he first left, right? And he rested. He rested his head on a pillow associated with the promise. And the place was changed. The name of the region around him was changed, right? From Luz to Bethel, from a house house of separation to a house of God. The second time, the second major encounter, Jacob wrestled. He wasn't resting anymore. He was wrestling. And when he wrestled, he was changed. His name was changed from Jacob to Israel. It's just another indicator. We cannot get locked into habits and formulas because there's a time when he's going to say, rest your head on the promise and I'm going to show you things. I'm going to give you revelation. That's going to, I'm going to speak to you about the promises over you. I'm going to do a work internally for you so you know what, who I am and who you are and what we're doing on a 20-year long-term journey. And there's another time where he's going to call you to wrestle He calls you to wrestle, contend for the promises, do what it takes, you know, wrestle with him and you get changed in that process. So we've got constantly got to be yielding to him. The more you can yield to him in every possible way, even on the Dr. Pepper subject. Okay, that is the perfect place to start. It's on the little things, the little examples. I know I started personally, I, re- I didn't know what I was doing, but I just felt this thing years and years ago to stop and pick up the trash on the, from the parking garage to my office building. You know, I would just feel something like the Holy Spirit, just say a little something, and I would normally ignore that, and I just decided to pay attention and, and do it. That is the process. You start with the little things. And then when the time comes, when he says, hey, can you separate yourself from this bigger thing that was even a God thing, that you're, you're willing to take the shoes off and put on the next shoes for the next season, for the next part of the journey. So as I said um, the uh, Jacob's response to God when after he releases that promise over him, he says, he says, if you will always be with me, this is at the beginning of his journey, right? And protect me on this long journey. And if you give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and I, and if I return safely to my father's house, then Yahweh, you will be my God. Now the footnote there says it wasn't like he was saying, if you do your part. He was saying, I just heard you say, you did, you're going to do this for me. So it's more like, if you are telling me right now, you are always going to be with me and you're going to protect me on this long journey and you're going to give me bread to eat and clothing to wear and you're going to return me safely to my father's house, then yes, Yahweh, you will be my God. And that's our position. That's our attitude. And I love, this is a perfect segue into Cheryl coming on up. But um, he says, and I have set up the sacred stone pillar and I, and it will be your house, God. And I promise to set aside a tenth of all that you give me as my gift to you. Then Brian Simmons in his book, The Blessing says, Jacob furthermore vowed to give back to God a tithe or a tenth of all that God gave to him. This is clear proof 
that he was making a fresh covenant with God. Remember, this is the manipulator, the deceiver, Jacob. He was making a fresh covenant with God. We prove our faithfulness and real commitment by our finances. If you're not committed to God and your finances, you're not committed to God. It really is that simple. It really is that simple. As Cheryl is always so wonderfully reminding us, our finances are the simplest and the most obvious way for us to put our trust in him. Our finances are the thing that that we want to cling to. We don't want to separate from. We want to do our plan that we made. We want to manipulate our circumstances with our finances. We want to do what we think we need to do and operate in our own way. But that is the very first place of being able to separate. It's a practical, practical, very meaningful way to do that step of being willing to separate to become a house of God. So, Papa, I just want to say thank you. I thank you for your promises over us, that it's at the beginning of our journey that you you give us these promises to us, that you say you will not fail to fulfill every promise. You will not fail to fulfill every promise. You will not fail to fulfill every promise. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you will embed those words in our heart and our mind, that when we go to sleep tonight, that we will just hear that. You will not fail to fulfill every promise. You will not fail to fulfill every promise over me. Papa, you will not fail to fulfill every promise over me. You will provide my clothing. You will provide my food. You will provide my protection. It's already been decided. You will not fail to fulfill your promises over me. I thank you that by being part of the body of Christ, that we are direct descendants of the promise that you spoke over Abraham, over Isaac, and over Jacob. You said that you would, that through Jacob, he would, that you would expand territory. You would expand the kingdom of God through him. And I say that we are those people. We are those who have inherited that same promise. The kingdom of God will expand through us. There is no stopping what will happen through us. There is no stopping the kingdom of God advancing through us because you said you will fulfill every promise over us. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, today for highlighting all that's at stake, all that is really involved and all that is really promised to us in this process of a perfecting journey. I thank you that you said today it was a marking day, a marker day. It was the beginning of something new. It was a birthday into a perfecting journey unlike any we've ever known. So I thank you for the promise. I thank you for what you showed me in the sky yesterday where there was a warring angel already coming ahead of us. Yesterday, you sent the warring angel to fight the battle that was, was ahead of us. The very enemy that we would face at the beginning of our journey, you already fought. You already defeated. I saw all of heaven's resources backing the angel that you sent to defeat the enemy that would try to come against, against us at, that, at this point. So I thank you that we operate and we go forward from here from a place of victory, from a place of victory today. I thank you for what you're birthing in us today. I thank you for the perfecting journey. I thank you for all that you've taught us and trained us and already supplied for us. 
So we just thank you, Papa. I just can't stop saying thank you. We just thank you for your promises. We thank you for your promises. We celebrate your promises. We will speak of your promises. We will give you glory and honor for your promises, not for what our circumstances look like now, not for the condition of our heart now, but we will praise you just for the promise, for the promise. So we thank you, and I just release a blessing over everybody in this room and hearing the sound of my voice. I release a blessing of the promises starting today, a brand new journey, a brand new journey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.